Hello, Baker McKenzie welcomes you to Connect on Tech, a global podcast series covering legal developments on data, technology, privacy, and security that impact your business. Here's your host, Brian Hengisbaugh, Global Chair of Privacy and Security. Welcome back to uh, Connect on Tech. We're so excited today to have Jess Nall with us, a, a partner with us out in our in our West Coast offices. Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So why don't you uh, real quick, just tell us a little bit about your practice. Sure thing. So I'm a um, partner in Baker McKenzie's Palo Alto and San Francisco offices, and I focus on uh, white collar defense, compliance and investigations. So really, any anytime the government comes knocking, I'm here to defend the clients and help them unravel the crisis situations that often result. Fantastic. And in fact, I, I know you had a major role in a really interesting and important uh, cyber breach investigation involving Yahoo. Remind us all a little bit about that incident, although if you're in the cyber field, you kind of know about it already, but maybe give us just a little bit on the, the background and then we'd be really interested in some lessons learned that you took away from that event. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, back in 2016, I was lucky enough to have a, a big role in that in the uh, Yahoo case, which um, I represented all the individuals in the case uh, at one at one point in time, all the way from the information security guys all the way up to Marissa Meyer herself. Uh, so the case involved a discovery in 2016 uh, that in previous years, going back to 2013 and 2014, that uh, the account information for one to three billion user accounts have been stolen by a cyber attacker who uh, was believed to have been funded by and connected to the Russian government. So the personal personal email is obviously an obvious target for, for these kind of state-sponsored attacks. So they had a major breach and they didn't report it, didn't really get their arms around it until a couple of years later. Uh, that launched, obviously, a, a number of investigations, a big internal investigation to figure out what happened, um, and then government follow-on investigations, including by the SEC and the Department of Justice, and trying to figure out just how did this occur? How did, how did a breach, a major breach like this occur, and nobody uh, adequately knew about it, reported it, or dealt with it until years later? And then your representation was not of Yahoo, the company, and figuring out, gee, what breach notices need to go out to what people, but it was in representing the uh, the corporate officers, the individuals um, from an SEC white collar perspective. Is that right? That's right, Brian. So I, I didn't represent the company, but I was there from the very beginning of the internal investigation, uh, sitting with the the actual people who were involved in the case, which is is often a really interesting role to take. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. I just wanted to make sure everybody had a sense of the context that you were. And in fact, in some ways, maybe even more critical, at least for the, you know, 30 some odd people you were representing that you get it right because it's them personally with uh, what they're doing. But maybe walk us through what were some of the uh, interesting lessons learned you took away from that case? Sure. So at the end of the day, the company, after it concluded its lengthy and expensive internal investigation, concluded that essentially what happened was an information breakdown, communication breakdown between information security and the legal department. And unfortunately for some of my clients in the legal department, uh, the, the company and its securities and exchange filing in 2017 uh, called them out pretty pretty harshly and said that they had sufficient information that they should have followed up on, uh, but they didn't sufficiently pursue it. Of course, the SEC settlement in April of 2018 was even harsher. 
um, but on both legal and infosec, that infosec had information that it should have uh, communicated more clearly, and the the, the legal department uh, had red flags that they should have followed up on, and their failure to do so resulted in uh, deficiencies in their reporting. Obviously, they didn't tell everybody that this had happened, um, and that their internal controls were insufficient, and it should have been uh, more robust under the SEC's uh, even the existing guidance which of course was also updated in 2018. Got it. And then from that, um, what were the consequences, by the way, for the individuals? Or were there consequences for the individuals or was it more leveled at the company level? It was a company uh, settlement. $35 million was paid. Um, The individuals did not have to pay any separate penalties other than reputationally having been involved in this and all the the pain of two years of investigation having gone by. So yeah, just returning back to your earlier question, Brian, about what are the lessons learned from this case? Um, Obviously, there are many, uh, but one of them that strikes me is, you know, as we we live in this COVID world and so many of us are, are working at home and we see cyber attacks on the rise, uh, you know, that it's still a very fraught situation for companies that find themselves the victims of these kind of attacks. Uh, because obviously, if you're going to uh, report to the government, as they would like you to do, that you've been the victim, there's always going to be some amount of question about how did it occur? How was it allowed to occur? There's some element of, you know, going all the way back to law school. It's like res ipsa loquitur, right? If you allowed a, a breach to occur, there must have been some kind of failure. So that that issue still exists. And I think Companies that find themselves a victim of these kind of attacks are uh, in a really difficult position of having to uh, quickly figure out what happened and whether or not there is any uh, shared responsibility or, or failure within the company that's going to have to uh, be explained to the government as part of a, of a voluntary self-disclosure in this area. You know, I always think that that's true. Absolutely. So you're, you as a company are a victim of sometimes can be a brutal and almost even overpowering attack, especially if it's a, say, a state-sponsored attack or a lot of resources, right? And they always talk about asymmetry, right? The, the hacker just has to be right once. The company has to be right 100% of the time or you've got a problem on your hands. But then if you have asymmetry in terms of resources, like you have an entire you know, country or you know, a, a really uh, significant sustained attack, it may be asymmetry of resources on the other side. So, but as the victim, then you become the perpetrator. I often like to say, well, wait a minute, I was walking down the street and I was robbed at gunpoint from my wallet and somehow I'm the bad guy in this scenario, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so it, it will often devolve right back to, you know, what were your uh, information security controls? How could you let this happen, et cetera? Um, but yeah, it's a, it's certainly a, a challenging moment. Any other lessons learned come to mind from the event? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, to some degree, there's no way to heal that. I mean, there's always going to be very well-resourced uh, attackers out there and companies are never going to be able to to be as sophisticated as, as the cutting edge um, of the attacker space. So I think that the best we can really aim for is to try to heal that communication uh, asymmetry and to make sure that, you know, that there are controls in place, that there are regular opportunities to revisit the question of whether information security and legal are understanding each other and escalating issues appropriately so that if you are attacked by a state-sponsored attacker, you at least know about it pretty contemporaneously and perhaps not a couple of years later. I think that was really the the issue that made this into a big case was that the failure to to uh, communicate about it at the time. Yeah, no, that makes good sense. So, I mean, 
in addition to the 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 obvious, which is making sure you're investing significantly in in cybersecurity and protection, having something process wise where whether it's quarterly or sooner or you know not only doing tabletops and and exercises but having good communication on what's coming through and making sure everybody on both sides of the I mean it's always a gap right between the information security teams who speak information security and the legal teams who speak legal you know how do you translate across that line and make sure people are really appreciating what it is uh, I can see that as being a, a you know a very important issue to make sure you're focusing on any other suggestions or tips or lessons learned or ideas for how companies can avoid becoming the next target for a major cybersecurity enforcement case? Well, I think it, again, it goes back to that, um, having those internal controls and also being very cognizant of the fact that the SEC, you know, is, is watching and that this is not, uh, just a matter of obeying privacy laws and making sure that you've disclosed to users that have had their information, uh, potentially exfiltrated. Um, but it's also about what are you telling your shareholders and, and is there an issue? Um, is there a disclosure issue that you should be thinking about upfront? Um, I think there is. there has been an evolution towards um, additional disclosures since Yahoo that probably hadn't uh, been in the um, in the forefront of people's minds before the case to make sure that you know that you're adequately discussing the risks and any prior breaches that the company might have experienced to really keep that updated so that if if later on the SEC comes back and says, "You didn't tell us <laughs> that you had this risk or you had this attack." You'll at least be able to say that um, that 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 the shareholders and that the public was informed about that. I don't know how far that actually goes, but that's you know obviously that's where the SEC's enforcement priorities lie. And then for the criminal authorities, the in, the individual intent is is important. So again, there the internal controls showing that you know people had uh, rules that they were following, that they were discussing these things on a, 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 an appropriate cadence and using the same language very important because obviously there are a lot of imprecise terms that can be used in this area, like compromise. What does that mean? Um, you know, breach. What does breach mean? Exfiltration. You know, there's there are just different, uh, as you mentioned, I think um, astutely, there are a lot of different kind of vocabularies in play here between legal and infosec. So getting on the same page um, and being able to, to cite to those key controls and then making sure that you're paying attention to your disclosures. Those are, those are some of the major ways. I, I'm not sure what else you could do other than, of course, trying to have very strong information security to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And I could see where if you've done a really thoughtful job on your SEC disclosures, you know, you might have language in there that doesn't just say things like, we, we may have a cybersecurity issue or, or we may be subject, but we have had cybersecurity events and, you know, we are subject to attacks and things like that. Things where the language is, you know, clearer that these, these things have occurred and we expect them will to continue to occur because that's the, the digital age we live in. Um, I know that can help alleviate. Sometimes there can be pressure inside an event if we might know enough to know something significant is happening, but we might not know enough to know we have a privacy notification we need to do. And so wait, then we are almost have two different timelines, one for SEC reporting versus privacy reporting. But if you've done a more thorough job on the SEC side previously, you might get a little bit more of a break. Is that fair, do you think? Uh, if you have some really good, clear disclosures that are already out there, um, maybe get a little bit of more time or a little bit more of a break on on further SEC disclosures. Do you think that's fair? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, exactly. And reaching out to the government can be, uh, can be a good thing. You know, obviously if you've got a state sponsored attacker going to your government, our state, the United States of America for help makes a lot of sense and having controls in place and having adequate disclosures will be one way to facilitate being able to quickly get your arms around. Is it, is this the, is this, is it risk-free or is it, uh, you know, it's something we can live with to go to the government immediately and let them help us out. That becomes easier if you have your disclosures and your controls ironed out up front. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess just being conscious uh, of the sort of broader uh, different sectors that might be listening, of course, we might have other issues in other spaces. We might have some health regulatory issues, depending on what's going on. Uh, so reporting perhaps to regulators on anything that might impact the effectiveness of a medical device, or perhaps if we're looking at being asked to pay a ransom, do we have some OFAC issues with uh, with with payment there that we need to think through, et cetera? And there's obviously you know other jurisdictions and other regulatory verticals that that can come into play. So there could be a whole range of things that are hitting depending on what the issue is. But at, at a high level, and then maybe this is the last question I'll ask you for this segment, uh, but we'll, I want to have you back, which is um, what do you think in terms of trend? Where where is this going from here? Are we going to get more government enforcement activity um, in the upcoming administration, do you think? Or what do you think crystal ball is coming at, uh, down the road? Yeah, I, I do think we are going to get some more regulation in this space simply because it is such a growing issue that has impacted such so many different segments of our uh, economy. Um, it's really a tough uh, place to be for companies since there is obviously a lot of uh, work being done in this area. We're trying our best um, but I think the government is um, going to be looking for ways to facilitate uh, and, and you know, get people on the same page and, and induce particular behaviors that they want to see. And unfortunately, that is going to fall on the victims in this case, which is sort of a, we're going back to your metaphor. It's like, okay, well, you know, victim, I'm sorry that somebody's got a gun pointed at you, but maybe you need to be wearing a bulletproof vest. Um, and I think so that's the, there's really not any other way that the government's going to go about trying to bring everybody up to par other than bring other than by uh, issuing new guidelines and, and holding companies to them so that they're more of these lessons learned scenarios that people can look to, to to figure out how best to avoid ending up in that victim role. Super perfect. Jessica Nall, uh, partner extraordinaire in our San Francisco Palo Alto offices. Thanks so much for sharing your experience on the Yahoo case. We'll look forward to having you back for one of these soon. Thanks so much, Brian. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next podcast when we connect on tech. For more information on data and technology, subscribe to our blog at connectontech.com or visit our website at bakermckenzie.com.